This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. All right, my low lifers, I got a 2021 ad moment for you. Here we go, starting off the new year with better help. It's important for us to put ourselves first and not only worry about our physical health, but our mental health. It's crucial to worry about that too. And I mean, last year it was a freaking roller coaster ride during the pandemic, but this roller coaster ain't over. It's still happening. The ups and downs of the last nine months, it's really important to take care of your mind and, and your mental health. And I'm so grateful to have better help as a sponsor. They're a great resource to deal with stress, anxiety, depression, and navigating life during these times. There's family conflict, self-esteem issues, relationship trauma. I mean, millions of people are just trying to navigate these things on their own, but sometimes it's nice to have a little bit of help. And I love that this service is private, it's confidential, and affordable counseling with an actual licensed professional therapist. I'm such an advocate for counseling and therapy because it significantly changed my life. So if you're interested in making some changes to yours in the new year, it's time to work on that happiness and check out BetterHelp. I want you to start living a happier life today, Queen. As a listener, you're going to get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash low. So join over a million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash low. Welcome to a new episode of The Low Show. I'm your host, Lo Von Rumpf. How are you guys doing? Huh? It's been a really intense last couple of weeks. <laughs> oh my God, this roller coaster ride, roller coaster from hell. I feel like 2021 is just a freaking doppelganger for 2020. It feels the same. And I don't love that. I'm not a complete pessimist, though. I do believe that there is light at the end of the tunnel. I do think that things are going to get a lot better, but it takes time. And where we're at right now in our country is absolutely insane. All right, I got a lot to unpack mentally right here. I'm just going to spill it out for you guys. So when it comes to this podcast or any type of a public platform, I've always been given the advice, Lo, don't speak about politics. Do not talk about religion. Those are the two no-nos. It's a slippery slope. It's thin ice. and That ice will crack and you will lose everything. So don't you dare talk about anything political or any religion. It's, you know, it divides people. It gets people worked up. You're going to lose everything. You'll lose listeners. You'll lose followers. Just don't do it. Isn't it crazy that when I hear that, don't talk politics, don't talk about religion, literally all I want to do is talk about politics and religion. <laughs> like, what's wrong with me? I'm like, this is a political podcast now. Boom. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> this is the Christian low show. Let's talk about religion. No, it's not. I'm not about to jump into all of the politics and religion. And I don't want to be a political pundit. I'm not a political correspondent. I'm not trying to come for Anderson Cooper's job. You do you, boo-boo. I'm not trying to be in the next Stephen Colbert over here. I'm just going to do me. And the thing is, I've made a promise to myself and to my low-life listeners from episode one. We're going into episode 14 now. But I made a promise to you guys that I will always be authentic, vulnerable, honest, real, and keep it 100. No topic is off limits at the Low Show. I will always cover everything. So. I feel like I would not be authentic and true to myself and true to what I said to you guys if I said, yeah, I'm going to cover everything. No topics off limits. We can cover it all. It's a safe place. No judgment here, except for religion, politics. We don't talk about Trump. We won't talk about Christianity. Like, no, that's ridiculous to me. And also, I feel like with what's going on in the world, 
if I didn't touch on it, if I never brought up what the hell's going on in the world because it is political or it could be linked to religion, not only would I not stay true to who I am on this show, but I also would be complicit. It's like that's the elephant in the room. It's like the family member that shows up to Thanksgiving and gets real sloppy when they drink and then they pour that first glass of wine and you're like, "Uh uh-oh. Aunt Shirley's going to get loose any minute. And then the next one, you're like, oh, it's the big elephant in the room. Then all of a sudden, she's hammered. and She's trying to make out with you. I just made that story up. I don't have a weird Aunt Shirley. But regardless, I'm saying I don't want any topic to be off limits. I don't want there to be an elephant in the room. I want to be able to cover it all with you guys and know this. I don't necessarily associate myself with any particular party. Now, of course, I lean more to the left. I'd be considered a Democrat to some. but I don't like to put myself in a specific Democrat bubble. I feel like that limits you. It limits your perception of how you can perceive things, your influence. It also limits the way that you can learn about things. Because if you're only watching one network or you're only hanging out with people that share your views, how the hell are you going to get seasoned for life and learn other people's perspectives? I have tons of conservative friends and family members that actually voted for Trump, some that didn't, that are still conservative. but. What I'm getting at is I have Democrat friends. I got Republican friends. I got some friends who are independent. I mean, my mother is basically freaking Stacey Abrams over here. Hillary Clinton vibes. She's so Democrat. My father is as Republican as they get. I He's like freaking Reagan, very conservative Republican. And they've managed to have a 32-year marriage that works. It works because they maybe don't see eye to eye politically, but they're able to have healthy discussions talk about their views, share their beliefs. Sometimes they don't see eye to eye on things. Sometimes they agree. A lot of times they disagree, but there's respect and there's not judgment. And my mom doesn't think less of my dad and vice versa because of their views. So I think that's why I have that perspective when I go into discussions with people, or that's why I don't really have a fear of of speaking out when it comes to politics, because I feel like I'm just floating around like this little fashion fairy, just learning about everybody, learning. I love different religions, even the ones that like hate me, <laughs> the gay conversion type religions, whatever. I want to learn about it, though. Why do you think that way? What makes your clock tick that way? I'm very interested. I'm always so curious about the world and that I don't know. It's always just been in me. So just know that when I speak on events that have happened in the world or express my opinions, or my thoughts, it's more so just a reaction to what's going on. And I'd be complicit if I don't bring up what's happening in the world. But I'm not trying to change your opinion or enlighten you or or persuade you into thinking a different way. I'm just speaking openly. I'm just a human being who's experiencing things in the world while you're experiencing the same things. And it's more so my just human reaction and my feelings to what the hell's going on. And it's a lot. How could I not talk about it? Like, what the hell? Our freaking nation's capital was just attacked by domestic terrorists. A man was killed on the steps of our nation's capital. He was brutally beaten with a fire extinguisher and people walked over his dead body. I mean, this is insane, sad, terrible things that are happening in our country right now. And if you're listening to this and you're not from this country, you're looking at it like, holy shit, season finale of America. What the hell's going to happen next? You know, it's like, it's just, it's a lot. And I remember as a kid reading about 
the assassination of Martin Luther King or John F. Kennedy or learning about the Challenger and how it exploded in the sky. And it was like tragic, tragic, this explosion that killed astronauts or the March on Selma. It's And I learned about these different historical events that really changed the fabric of our country. And I look at what happened at the Capitol and I think, wow, this is going to be in history books. My children will be reading about this one day. They're going to be like, holy shit, dad. And be like, what are you reading about, little low? Well, just learned about a coup that was trying to take over our government and, and people died and they, they wanted to try and, and hold senators captive because they weren't happy with the election results and they wouldn't certify ballots. What, dad? They wanted to overthrow democracy. That's what I'm learning about. Yeah, son, I was there. No, I wasn't there, but I lived it because I, I was watching it happen, unfold. So to not have a reaction or not want to speak on it because it would upset people, I think is ridiculous. And I'm not going to live my life that way. And I'm not going to do that on the low show. I'm going to keep it real with you guys. And I know there's an opposing argument when it comes to celebrities, influencers, people with a public platform, whether you have 100 followers or 100 million followers, whatever you may have, some people shy away from speaking out politically or sharing their beliefs because of the fear of getting canceled. And there's just too much at stake for these people. They have brand deals, campaigns. They don't want to lose their fans. They don't want to divide their followers up, lose people. Then you could lose a lot of money at stake. It's definitely silenced people who would normally speak up because there's, again, a lot at stake financially and their careers. But I'm over here saying, uh, I don't give a shit. I don't care. I want to speak on whatever I want to speak on. And if I didn't get a campaign or a brand deal or whatever, um, so be it. It is what it is. I think me being authentic and speaking my truths would end up benefiting me in the long run, not only just for my own mental state, but also I feel like my followers, my listeners, they'll appreciate it too in the long run. Especially if they know the place where I come from is not a place to like change minds or do anything like that. I'm just speaking about what's going on in the world. It just happens to be tied to politics in this situation with the capital. You know what I mean? So that being said, what happened on our nation's capital is absolutely horrifying. But what also surprises me was one, when I heard about it, it it's embarrassing for me to say this, but I wasn't shocked. I'd taken a couple days off of watching the news. I've been doing that lately. I'll do three days on, two days off, or vice versa. I've talked about it before, but it's very important for me to do that because, man, with all the shit going on and me taking in all of that news, it's quite exhausting. And it can be overwhelming. And I'm realizing I need to be very careful with how much I'm letting in and how much I'm absorbing. And I don't want to be misinformed. I don't want to be in the dark. I still want to know about all the current events going on, but I just have to pick and choose and just be mindful because there's no way it's healthy to hear it constantly. It's in my newsfeed. It's in the, on the TV. I'm reading it online. It's in, I'm, people are texting me about it. It's everywhere. You can't turn it off unless you turn off your devices. And sometimes I have to do that too. So anyway, when someone, when I had people texting me saying like, are you watching the news? Like, what do you think? Oh my God, you, like turn on the TV, see what the hell's going on. There's riots in the Capitol. I was like, well, it sounds like a Tuesday to me. Just seems like a, nothing shocks me at this point. With all the school shootings, there's children in cages at our, our borders. 
There's the Black Lives Matter movement. There are people being killed in the streets. There's bombings happening. I mean, come on. There's always some crazy situation happening that really nothing can shock me at this point. If I heard the White House is on fire and they're doing freaking cult dances for QAnon in the Rose Garden, I would say sounds like a Friday in America. Like it really would not shock me to my core. It wouldn't. But this one, after watching the footage and stuff, it was just really sad. And yeah, I wasn't shocked to hear about it, but it doesn't mean I'm not feeling terrible about it. And it's regardless of what party line you're on, it's a terrible thing that occurred. It should not have happened. And what's covered in the news right now, that really surprises me. What's covered in the mainstream media, whether it be a Fox News or a CNN or, and again, I watch all of it. I like to get a good full perspective of how everybody's trying to think. And the focus seems to be all about social media and Trump not being on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, and he's banned from social media. And that's the hot button topic right now. It's like, oh my God, our First Amendment rights, our freedom of speech, they're going to take away our freedom of speech. Then what what else is going to happen next? You know, now we're going to be censored. This is, you know, a form of the government taking over and and big tech companies coming through. And this is all a, a plan for them to shut up America and the world. And again, there are a lot of conspiracy theories and ideas of the reason why they did that. Truth be told, that's very important, I'm sure. And if you're listening to this and that's one of your talking points is like, you know, this is a big deal for you. I understand that. But for me, it's not. I could give a shit about them banning Trump's tweets. Like he'll go on OnlyFans and freaking make a killing doing that. Trump, go somewhere else. There's another, I think it's called Parlor. There's another app that he can go on. I don't give a shit about his social media. What I care about is our country being so divided in shambles right now. There's nothing united about these states. I'll tell you that much. It's insane what's happening. It's very scary. So my idea is I don't care about his tweets or his Instagram. We'll deal with that another time. And your First Amendment, sure, we'll tackle that fucking mountain later. What we need to worry about is the fabric of America and how our coronavirus is still real. It's still happening. People are still sick and dying. And also our country, again, has never been more divided and we need a form of resolution. And how's that going to come? I don't know. But I'm hoping it's in the form of a new president. And I don't care if it's Biden. I just didn't want it to be Trump, to be honest. It could have been Baby Yoda for all I care. I just think someone new needs to get in there, needs to calm the waters. That's all because everything is just so intense right now. People are going to hate that I said that. Sorry. People are going to be like, how dare you insult Baby Yoda? (laughs) My bad. And for the people that are so upset about Trump being taken off of Twitter, and I get that, like, sure, you know, they took him off. But there's, I see both sides of that, too. A lot of people say, well, you know what? He incited these riots. He really riled up that base. They walked down Pennsylvania Avenue after being at his rally and stormed the Capitol. And people died because of it. They follow him. He's their leader. Other people say, well, that might have happened, but you can't censor someone's speech. You take off the leader of the free world. He doesn't have a voice. What's that say for the rest of us? This is my perspective on that situation. To me, it reminds me of when there's a gay couple and they want to have a cake made, but the bakery doesn't support gay marriage because it goes against their religious rights or their religious beliefs. So they say, you know, sorry, we'll make cakes for everybody. But when it comes to the gay couple, 
we're not about to make a gay wedding cake up in this place. And I've read that story. That's happened several times in the country, by the way. It's made mainstream news. And a lot of people get upset about it. And again, when you say something, there could be repercussions to your words. Words are powerful. So if you're telling a couple, I'm sorry, we're not making your cake because you're gay and it, it goes against our religious beliefs, that's their right as a company. It doesn't make it right. I don't agree with it. It's homophobia. But I'm going to take my business elsewhere. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people who don't necessarily want to eat those cakes anymore. Because I don't want a homophobic cake. I'd rather have a delicious little freaking red velvet from the Gay Levin Bakery down the street. You know what I mean? So in regards to what happened with Donald Trump and him being taken off of a social media platform like Twitter, they said, you know what? Your comments, your tweets violate our community guidelines. And we are a private company, just like that private bakery that didn't want to serve cake to gays. Donald Trump, sorry, you're in violation of our community guidelines. You're not welcome here anymore. We're going to ban you indefinitely. Same goes for Facebook and Instagram shared the same idea of, sorry, it violates our community guidelines for these reasons. It incited violence. And they have their reasonings for doing it. Whether you agree with it or not, they have their, of course, reasons for it. There's certain people, I read about some senator and he lost a book deal because they don't want to associate themselves. This company, this publishing company does not want to associate themselves with this senator because of his political affiliations. And they also agree that he is incited some sort of rioting, looting, violence. He's suing them. But I'm, my opinion is, why? Why are you suing anybody? Like, Trump, it's a free country. It's a, and you have your First Amendment right, freedom of speech. So it might not work on Twitter, on that private company's social media platform that they have created, but you can take those words and you can get those people going and the riots are happening anywhere else. You can start your own. It's a free market. It's a free world. America is home of the free, home of the brave. Start your own social media platform then where you can say whatever the hell you want or go to another social media platform that supports the words that you say. That where you would feel welcome to say what you want um, or start your own website. That's the thing. That's the beauty of America. You can go where you'd like. If you're not welcome somewhere, well, then you can go somewhere else. So I don't understand why people are so up in arms about it because it's the same to me as when, you know, again, like the, the cake thing or there's a lot of examples that way. But regardless, people are so enraged and so passionate about this topic. People are so worked up about these two old white men, Donald Trump and Joe Biden. And I'm over here looking at the whole situation like these two old white men. They don't have that much long to live. I mean, I hope they live longer lives, but just based on diet and age. I just, I think it could be quite problematic. Donald Trump loves a good Kentucky Fried Chicken family meal. You know, if he's still popping all them Big Macs and having all those KFC value meals, it does a number on your cholesterol. And Joe Biden is an oldie but a goodie. And I look at it too, like, okay, I remember when Barack Obama came into office. And when he got into office, he looked so young. He was so handsome, big pearly whites. And Michelle Obama, oh, what a queen and her beautiful dresses. But I just remember them looking like this really young couple, especially compared to everybody else in politics. He looked like he was like 30 years old. And then eight years later, the Morgan Freeman effect started to happen. He started to get gray, a little bit older. And you could tell after eight years, like, damn, Obama grew up. 
And it definitely aged him. How could it not? The office of the presidency is so taxing emotionally, physically, spiritually. Like it's very draining. You have literally the whole world on your shoulders. No wonder it's going to age you. So that being said, I thought about, I thought about Joe Biden and I thought he already looks really old now. You know, (laughs) so to think of him in like four years, I'm like, holy shit, Joe, you're going to look like, I hope he makes it. Like, I'm praying that he is alive and well and can be okay because he's already, you know, an older, an older gentleman. Same like Trump. They're both older dudes. So I also, when people are fighting and losing family members and and I stop talking to friends. That's what I hear one of my girlfriends say. I stopped talking to this friend because I know they love Trump. And I have another friend of mine. Oh, I'm not talking to my family because they vote for Biden. Like, nope. And then, I mean, both sides of it. And I'm like, you are about to throw away family, friends, lifetime relationships with good people for these two old white dudes who don't have much time left. Really? That's what we're doing here? No, I don't love anybody that much to throw away a family member, like as a candidate, some random ass candidate, even for someone like me who loves, let's say, a Mariah Carey. I put her at the level of a queen. And if I found out someone doesn't like Mariah, do I think less of them? Sure. Inside, I do. Mentally, I'm like, how dare you? But I'm not going to cut them out because their lack of taste in good music. I just respect their beliefs. They don't like Mariah. Okay, well. It's fine. What I'm getting at, though, is I'm not vested in any particular political party that much. I just don't have it in me. Maybe when I get older, I'll feel like that. But as of now, no. And neither are my parents. They're pretty open-minded people, too. And they love hearing different perspectives. So, which brings me to the topic of these two different groups of people represented in political parties. So within the Democrats, you have your moderate Democrats, and then you have your left, more liberal uh, socialistic Democrats, the Bernie Sanders, the Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, the uh, Stacey Abrams, and then you have your Joe Bidens and your Nancy Pelosi's, who would, I guess, lean more moderate. On the Republican side, you have a party that's been pretty united, a strong force. They have a lot of specific issues that they vote on, a lot of one-issue voters, and they've been, again, pretty united. I don't see any fractures within the party like I do in the Democratic Party, which is a huge tent, huge umbrella trying to fit everybody in. Moderates, liberals, Antifas, everybody get under that umbrella. And then on the other side, Republicans, I mean, you have your conservatives and then I guess you have your extremists, which would be like your white supremacists and stuff. They, I guess, would go more on the conservative side. But regardless, they are not the main representation of the party. But now with Trump, that's a very different situation. That is a fracture in the party because now I know from speaking openly to people that there are conservative Republicans and then there are Trump Republicans and they are very different people. For example, my father loves being a Republican. Sure, he's not a Trump fan though. And my dad said it to me like this. He said, listen, I am conservative in a lot of my views and I do believe in, you know, the party of family values. And and there are reasons why I've been conservative most of my adult life, but I, I don't get behind Trump. I'm not voting for him because he doesn't represent the ideals of the Republican Party. He's not the best representation of that to me. And it could be the 26 allegations of sexual misconduct, many of them being rape. It could be the way that he conducts himself in business, the way he speaks, a lot of his policies. My dad just doesn't agree with that part of it. So for the first time, he voted for someone else, Biden. The people who believe 
in Trump. Now, some of them are extremists. Some of them just like him for policy. And some of them are just more voting because they're loyal to the party. But within that fracture, there are conspiracy theorists and there are people who believe in QAnon. And and it's a really big group of people. It's a weird ass group of people. And it's a really big part of the Republican Party now. It wasn't always a big part. I mean, they've always existed, but they didn't represent the Republican Party ever. They were always in the shadows, in the darkness, these extremists. And many Republicans would like them to remain up in that darkness. I mean, these are the extremists who are the same people that burn down abortion clinics. These are the same people who show up at gay pride festivals with protest signs that say God hates fags. and They hold those over their head. You know, it's almost like Trump just made it safe for all these crazies to come out in full swing. I look at these people that stormed our nation's capital like actual roaches. And I feel like Trump just shined the light for these roaches to come out. Here you come on out, guys. Thousands of them in droves. And that's why they attacked the Capitol. It's the underbelly of America is what we saw. The ugliest part of America that we know exists, but no one wants to talk about. These homegrown terrorists. These are the people that are spewing hatred, bigotry, racism, homophobia, misogyny, just real pieces of shit who ended up storming that capital in the hopes of overturning democracy. And the sad part about it, for them at least, is they thought they were fighting for freedom and democracy. That's what they truly believed. A lot of them were interviewed and they're like, it's a revolution, man. I'm a, it's a revolution. I'm fighting for your freedom. While they wave their Confederate flags and spew hatred and white supremacy. And it's just a really interesting group of dumbasses mixed with some educated people in there. There's a few doctors, some veterans. A lot of hillbillies, mothers, fathers, and sadly, even some children were in there protesting at the Capitol. Oh, it's just so heartbreaking when you really think about it. And there's a lot of repair and healing that needs to come through right now in the country. But there's a mentality to someone that can do that. And these people, by the way, who thought they were fighting for freedom and stuff, they're going to be served with up to 30 years in prison for federal damage of property. And it's just so many, the book is going to be thrown at them. They got the FBI coming after them now. Like it's going to be hell for these homegrown terrorists as it should be. But again, their frame of reference is like almost like cult-like brainwashed. That brings me to today's topic, cults. I do feel like people that are so vested in a conspiracy theory or so vested in a particular candidate, it feels like cult-like behavior to me. And I've learned a lot about cults over Christmas break because I watched the Nexium documentary. And today we're going to dive into the whole idea of a cult. And there's so many different variations of it. It could be a political cult where people got so riled up that they were able to, under the power of someone's words, march down Pennsylvania Avenue and attack a state capitol. Or it could be a Mary Kay Cosmetics or an Amway. And I've just been fascinated by the idea of cults. And I will say, for the people that do believe in, like a QAnon, for example, I don't look at them and judge or think of them in a negative way. There are reasons why they have that belief system. And I mean, I've done a deep dive into it. I have family members who are very into the QAnon conspiracy theories. They actually really believe everything that's been said down to like the eating the babies. It's I don't want to get all into it. It's dark, but they definitely believe in that stuff. But I know they're good intentioned people. They're educated people. And so if I know the intention is right going into it, now that does not speak to the people that stormed the Capitol. That's terrible. But I'm talking about outside of that, the conspiracy theorists and things like that. It does remind me of cult behavior, but 
if you believe in a candidate, even if you're a hardcore like Antifa or you're extremist on the left, again, it's very cult-like to me on both sides of the equation. So that being said, today we're doing a deep dive into the world of cults, specifically the Nexium cult. And I have Kate Casey here with me today. Fantastic guest. She's hosted a podcast about cults before. She's done a deep dive into it. We'll get into it with her. She knows a lot about Nexium sex cults. She's going to give us some good information. And I'm glad I got to binge watch the series Seduced about the Nexium sex cult. And I also watched The Vow on Netflix. And she has watched them both. Talked to the producers, survivors, journalists about it. She's a great guest. So without further ado, let's just jump right into the world of cults, shall we? Hair thinning impacts a lot of us. In fact, over half of us will experience hair thinning at some point in our lives. It's not only common, it's normal. Join over 1 million people who are doing something about it with Nutrafol. I've been recommending it to my friends and family. I take it. My mama, the queen, takes it. Queen, you love it. Oh, yeah. I recommend it to my hairstylist. I recommend my sister-in-law and even my niece. We range in age from like 22 to 67. They're loving it. Yeah, they are. It's a great Mother's Day gift. Oh, I love it. It's amazing. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster growing hair with less shedding. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month's subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code LOWLIFE. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code LOWLIFE. That's Nutrafol.com, promo code LOWLIFE. So our next guest today is a woman after my own heart. She is from Orange County. I don't know if you're actually from no, the I'm OC. No, I'm not. Thank God, no. No. <laughs> I'm you... from Philadelphia. Well, the suburbs of Philadelphia. Mm, and then okay. I lived in Hershey, Pennsylvania for four years Fun. at a boarding school. And then I went to college in D.C. And then I took a job. It was a PR job. And they said, you can live in L.A. or San Francisco. So I chose L.A. Blessed. And my husband started a tech company in Orange County. And that's why I'm here. Oh, that's why you're... Okay. Well, yeah. I I love being from Orange County. <laughs> I'm oh, born and do. raised, Queen. I, born and raised. I feel like I'm so East Coast here still. And I've been here for like 15 years. Oh, yeah, I get that. Okay, well, I'm going to finish my little intro to you. Though. Sorry, I'm like the worst. <laughs> Sorry. No, you're totally fine. <laughs> All right. So I love this quote. I read this in an interview about you, but you had said you're the Diane Sawyer of reality television. But you said if Diane Sawyer was sarcastic and hoarded babies, which I loved, <laughs> because you're a proud mother of five children. You have four girls and a boy. Mm-hmm. You majored in political science and interned at the White House before a 16-year career as a media PR consultant for law firms. Yep. And in 2016, Reality Life with Kate Casey, the podcast was launched. And it gives the funny mother of five the opportunity to interview reality stars and show producers, both past and present. Your guests have included cast members from The Real Housewives, The Bachelor, Big Brother, Survivor, Teen Mom, Vanderpump Rules, as well as producers with Keeping Up with the Kartrashians and a 90 Day <laughs> Fiance. Oh, that was a good one. Uh, just to name a few. And now you're hitting one of the biggest moments of your career because you're a guest on the low show. That is correct. Do that with you're a damn right. Smile. Can't, <laughs> can't even do it with a serious face. And we're going to be talking about sex cults today. So without further ado, I'd like to give a very warm welcome to our next guest today, the podcast queen herself, Miss Kate Casey. Love. Yay! 
doing? Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm I, great. <laughs> I just love your teeth. You have the like the brightest <laughs> crust smile and should get an endorsement ASAP. Oh, white strips needs to be calling uh, you right now. My white chompers. I actually gargle with hydrogen peroxide every day. Oh, good. Good, yeah, good, good. A little hydrogen peroxide and just some Crest toothpaste. And that does the trick for me. But you are coming live from Newport Beach and I love Newport. Do you enjoy living there? I do. It's so beautiful. And I grew up in the suburbs of Philadelphia and I feel yeah. like I had seasonal disorder and had no idea. And I can't imagine living anywhere. I, it's unfortunate because I feel like I'm the kind of person that should have been born in Jamaica. But I have extremely <laughs> fair yeah. skin and I'm uh, uh, prone to get basal cell carcinoma. So I should probably not be in the sun no. that much. But I God, I love it. I love being in hot weather. So yeah. it is beautiful. It is very a weird culture here, I say, as an outsider. I kind of feel totally like is. I've get it down to this is that I feel like on the East Coast, you want to be setting the trend. And on the West Coast, or at least in Orange County, there's a paranoia of not being part of the trend. And that's kind of like the difference, I think. Beautifully said and so accurate. <laughs> yeah, 100%. You definitely want to be in the know in OC. Oh, yeah, I feel like yeah. that's. Yeah. And I don't know. I think that there's. Well, East Coast versus West Coast. I love the people on the East Coast, but Me I too. love the weather of the West Coast. So if I could take. Oh, my God. That's just, exactly it. I yeah. miss East Coast people so deeply because they're not offended when you ask them questions. But in Orange County, people look at you like you're a member of law enforcement when you just ask basic questions like, <laughs> where are you from? What did you study in school? What's your job? What do you like to do? It's like, why? Why are you asking me? But yeah. that's just very normal where I'm from. Also, another difference is that it's like a, a herd culture here. Like when you're a parent here, you want to go to a school where all the parents like go on trips to Palm Springs together and all the mothers are wearing matching mermaid bedazzled trucker hats. <laughs> and it's like, that's not something I want to participate in. Like Sign me up. at all. So that's the kind of the difference too, is like this herd mentality. Like, we all have to have the same bag, go on the same trips, drive the same car. And yeah. I'm just not like that because I didn't grow up that way. And also where I grew up, you didn't know if anybody had any money. Mm -hmm. And if somebody talked about their things, I, I would be uncomfortable. And I'm still uncomfortable. Like somebody says to me, like here, I feel like people are very proud of what they have and they want you to know it. Like, you know, it's sure. just on my boat that I bought six months ago and I'm like getting hives. Like, I shouldn't know that you have a boat. That's totally inappropriate. It's just such a different way of life. Or people here will ask you, like, how much is your house? And like, what? It's like or asking they want to know the exact address so they could look it up on Zillow. Oh, that's correct. It's like asking somebody, what's your social security number? Or like, you know, how much money do you have in your bank account? It's like, that's no one's business. It's crazy. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of, <laughs> of some of the people, <laughs> a lot of the people in OC. And it's also the one thing I, it was so refreshing when I went to the East Coast. I spent some time in New York. And luckily, because I work in fashion, I'm always going, I'm a stylist full time, a fashion stylist. So I always am on the East Coast. And and I love that people there, the whole like, uh, where do you live? What's your zip code? What kind of car do you drive? Those a lot of extrinsic based questions on like money, material items. It doesn't, doesn't really exist. happen. No, no, because it's like, who are you in your life experience? So where the question is like, where did you go to school and what did you study? They're asking that because they're like, oh, can I talk to them about like 
engineering? Can I talk about the, to them about political science or literature, things that, uh, what is it that I can find in common with you that we could have a cerebral conversation? Correct. As opposed to <laughs> asking, you know, what kind of Mercedes you have. <laughs> or like, where do you get your hair extensions done? That's the other thing. Like hair extensions, I don't understand. They're, they're wild. There, yeah. like, there should be some sort of regulations here because people are out of control with hair extensions. Love the good and hair extensions. And also like a lot of the, the styles are very weird in OC because we're just south of LA, but it's like you drive to OC and sometimes I feel like you're driving back in time. Like French tips like are so outdated, but they're, you could be, you could find them here. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. I oh, mean, and you know I what think else they're making is here? a little bit of a comeback. Influencers here are bananas because oh, really? what oh my god you know what they're doing because i have friends who work in retail and they're like oh let me tell you what these nutbags do so they'll come to the store they'll get an outfit they'll go out they'll take the outfit picture then they'll bring it back an hour later to return it so a lot of pe- the stores in OC like a gucci or some expensive type yes. outfit so they have a list of influencers that are on the band list so the clerk has to like rum like look through the list and not take something back and for returns because it's like part of their game. Yeah, they need to get that little info. Well, I'm like, they should just buy it. They have the money, but again. And a lot of um, companies would tell me this is too. This is great. You could do a whole episode about it. Of a lot of people, there, were, there was a period of time where they would lie and they would put like hashtag ad and the company's like, we never, there, there's no That's business arrangement with agreement. us at all. But it's like people that are perpetuating this like image. Oh, I know. I actually know many people who do that just yeah, because yeah, yeah. especially if they're new to the influencing world, it kind of yes. gets them a little bit. It looks like, oh, wow, you have a, you know, a Nivea contract or whatever right. it could be. It's like, <laughs> yeah, you're, oh, you have a deal with Zara. Dang, you're a brand ambassador. But no, you're no, not. It just not true. Looks, it just yeah. looks good, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. People will ask me, what do you think of Real Housewives of Orange County? I'm like, they're, they don't represent anybody I know. But they do represent a good amount of people that are there. Yes. I, just not the, any that not I your, would Not your up. pod. Although I do know one of them that's on the season now, and I knew her before she became a housewife. So that's real trippy because it's yeah. like, what? Yeah. It's oh, very man. weird. So I want to find out. You have a successful podcast. I listened to many episodes, loved it. Entertaining. You get down to the brass with nuts and bolts yes. of it. You really break down a show and you have these incredible guests too. You'll oh, get I, producers. You. And the one specifically I love listening to, because it's just the freshest in my brain, was on Nexium Sex Cults. <sighs> I'm a, a, I'm a scholar. I'm, I'm considered a Nexium scholar I at this point. I was going to say mm-hmm. that because after I listened to both, you did two. You did one on The Vow. I listened, I think, to two different episodes that you did on Sex Cults. Okay. I had a couple people. So first of all, I had Frank Parlato twice. Frank Parlato writes The Frank Report, which I've been reading for years because I was way into Nexium and the coverage about it as soon as we found out this was like a criminal enterprise. So yeah. Frank is like the best for insight. So I had him twice on. Then I also, years oh, before that, I interviewed Catherine Oxenberg when she I wrote love. a book before anybody knew. And then I also interviewed a woman, Kelly Thiel, who was a member of Nexium, and they were trying to get into DOS. And she came on and told her whole personal story too. So a bunch wow. of different people. Oh, yeah. and then I also interviewed the director of the Stars documentary, called seduced which was the one about india oxenberg 
just finished that. Yeah. So that's so I did five Nexium episodes. Incredible. So <laughs> needless to say, you're very well versed on sex cults. So I okay. Like we cults, should just, really. I just love anything cult. Yeah, same. Yeah. Everything from Mary Kay to Nexium. Oh yeah, and I'll and I'll give you some good ones that you should look up after too. Oh, yes, please. So for uh, my listeners, my low lifers is what we call our listeners here. <laughs> and, um, some of them have, I'm sure, watched uh, something on Nexium because it was a very popular story. It still is. Yeah. But for those who have no idea what the hell Nexium is, I'm going to defer to you to give just a little recap of what the hell a sex cult is. Uh, right. What it, okay. Yeah, just because I feel like you'd be the person to ask for that. So Keith, and now I have been seeing Ranieri, but then I heard one of the women that was married, to the woman married to Allison Mack, Nikki Klein, who's still a member and pretty high ranking now. She says it's pronounced Ranieri, like Canary, but Ranieri. So anyway, the point is his name's Keith. So he is this very bright, but a pathological liar kind of executive. And he has this like consumer byline, which was like consumer marketing company. And he started to make a, a bit of money from it. And from there... This was in the 90s, right? In the 90s. And he, he made quite a bit of money. And he had all these people working for him, including a lot of women. And they became very enamored by him because he had this ability to suck people in. So from there, he created this like self-help company. And he called it Nexium. And he created it with this woman named Nancy Salzman, who was like a neuro-linguistics expert. So a neuro-linguistics expert is somebody who is uh an expert on body language and also hypnosis. Um, hypnosis so they can kind of convince you of things put you at a meditative state and convince you of things so the two of them meet and decide to create the self-help group and from there it, it branched out into other umbrella companies and there were a number of people that were sucked into it took courses and like all mlms you're going to start with one course and it began with a five-day course. I believe it was $3,500. Yep. And then you move on to the next course and the next course and it's all money. And then you get a break on the courses if you can bring in new members. So it's like all about networking and getting people. Uh, and then the people that kind of became proctors higher up in the levels had brought in enormous amount of people and had spent an enormous amount of personal money to work their way up a system. And much like Scientology, it's all word salad. It doesn't really mean anything. And you work all the way up to the highest level to find out that you just have to go all the way back to the bottom. So it's a total rigmarole. And at the helm is this disgusting guy who has this long, greasy hair. Because as he got older, <laughs> he so thought, sick. if I grow long hair, it'll make me look young. And, or like and, Jesus. Yes. But like, if I have long hair, I'm going to look cool and hip. But what people should know about him was he was approximately 5'4". Okay. Oh, he was he a little was man. Chubby. And so he has the headquarters in, of all places, Albany, New York, which is the armpit of America. And people who were educated and seemingly like thoughtful and bright moved to Albany, New York to take courses there and gave up their lives and were told that you basically, like Scientology, you have to get rid of everybody in your life who does not understand the Nexium process. And by doing that, you will be totally committed to this organization. And if you're committed to the organization, you will do your part in ridding the world of toxic people and ideas. And we will together 
become the most ethical group of people that have ever lived and changed the world. And they're like, we're in, we're all in. And by the, by doing that, they cut off people from their lives and they got totally sucked in and bamboozled by a guy who it turns out was basically the most misogynistic piece of shit cult leader that ever lived. And he had created this structure with the help of Alison Mack, who was this like rinky dink actress who had been on Smallville like years before. Yeah. I mean, but she had success though. Smallville was a huge show. So remember that conversation we had this morning about your priorities? Well, I've been thinking about my priorities and I think they're a little screwed up. Yes, but then she joined because, and then she joins like all these other dim-dums who were like, well, we want to join this group because all of the people in the group are really successful. But it's like, well, are they? Like, let's really talk about their careers and the success. So Allison joins, has like a working job on Smallville, and then she joins and she basically gives up her acting career to work at this organization and basically be a proctor. So she gave up her career to be in this dumb organization. So she's in this relationship with him. It's basically one-sided. She thinks that they're in this loving, committed relationship. But what she doesn't understand is that he's in a loving, committed Allison relationship. That? Yeah, with all these other women. Right, so okay. what I was told was that she becomes totally enamored by him. And he wasn't interested in her at all sexually. So she was in it for like five years. And then, you know, she he kind of kisses her and then it builds into a sexual relationship but he kept her in the lurch all the time so he would say you know i have to be with all these other women because i have to like it's part of the the burden that i have is this like life force is that i need to spread my seeds and she's like oh okay and he promised her at some point you can have my child i am disgusted and he'd said the same to a bunch of other women So Allison is like so brainwashed that she helps him come up with this structure within the Nexium umbrella. And it was this group called DOS. And it basically, that works out to like slave in Latin. Yeah. Dominance. So at the top of the structure is Keith, but Allison is, had to be the spokesperson. So a female spokesperson. And she was running an organization within Nexium called Genes, J-E-N. ESS, which means absolutely nothing. And so she convinced all these women to join and to do this slavery kind of system where you have five people that work underneath you and they do jobs for you and they're reliant on you. So they have, you have, they have to ask you permission about how much they can eat, when they can work out, when they can work. And they have to yeah. answer text messages responses under a certain amount of time. And if they don't, then they are penalized either physically or mentally. And so they were bringing in all these women and saying, this is part of this incredible group of women's empower, like it's all about women's empowerment. And they were bringing in women uh, who they would target women that came from money, women who were target, great targets because they were easily brainwashed. Attractive women that come from affluence or they're educated. Well, this Mm -hmm. is what I was going to ask you. Like, could you see yourself in a sex cult? No, and I did you see I, yourself I, in Nexium? No, because I <laughs> asked too many questions, and I'm too self-aware. It's kind of like um, Scientology, though. When you ask a bunch of questions, and you keep, and I also did the whole what are the when they t- they tested my e meter. The e oh yeah, I did that, and just because I had a friend who was into it, I'm like, whatever, I'll go with you. You're crazy ass to do Scientology. Why not? And I was actually funny enough. They didn't even call me back, and I was like. 
am I not good enough for Scientology? Like, no, they didn't call you back because you asked too many questions. I did ask a lot of questions. But everything that I kept asking, uh, they said that I clearly have suppressive person tendencies because oh, I keep asking. Of course. And it's very common in suppressive people. So you have to, we can help you with that, but you're you're being very suppressive. I'm like, what the hell does that mean? And uh, so that was kind of the idea. That's why Scientology rejected me. But also uh, for this Nexium cult, when I was watching it, Okay, so I remember going to a couple Nexium events here in LA. And this was back in the day because I had clients that were interested in it or they had just taken a couple classes. But I mean, I can't get to the point where I'm getting branded by someone. I don't know. Like, that's a lot for me. Or yeah. they're physically branding Well, you they like... didn't know they were going to be branded. So the, the grooming took on such a long, it was such oh. a long process that they got to the point where the idea of branding, they were told that it was just going to be a tattoo. So they didn't right. know they were being branded until they were basically handcuffed to a table and held down. Yeah. Which it's, is Oh my god, it's insane. Assault. It's assault, yeah. But what I was going to say was looking at the beginning of trying to get involved with Nexium and you have all these people and specifically I remember in Los Angeles and you have all these wealthy affluent people. I mean, they're showing in these Nexium meetings pictures of the Dalai Lama involved in it and it's these people that have they always say the phrase like birds of a feather flock together. Yeah. And these people all come from uh, prominence, affluence, wealth. You're getting agents, producers, actors, actresses, like big names within the industry. Not necessarily the Allison Max and stuff, but there were some other producers, mm -hmm. agents, directors that were at those meetings. And I mean, again, well, I, but I can see why that happened. Yeah, because actors are people that are always centered on self. Because it, that's part of their acting process and when they have a job. In order to be an effective in their job, they have to look inward. That's kind of their whole business is wrapped around looking inward and, and assessing yourself emotionally in order yeah. to connect with a character. So they're kind of pri primed for that. Um, and also it's like a great networking. I know lots of people in L.A. that said, well, I... I had a meeting with the Church of Scientology because in order to have a relationship with this director, it would have helped me enormously if I'd been a member of Scientology and yep. that they all helped each other out. So that the same was goes kind for of like there's a Christian circle, too, within yes. L.A. of little Christian support network, mm -hmm. which is great. You know, but I don't, it's not like Nexium. <laughs> That's yeah. it's a completely different beast, but it's the same of like the networking within a religious type thing. But yeah, I was going to say with with these people that have so much money and I guess they are always a lot of them are searching for something more and they've already reached the uh, theoretical top of their careers or financially they're very comfortable. So to be part of this, not only do you have to have a lot of money, um, but you have to be willing to do a deep dive spiritually, they say. Yeah. And then you could achieve like, yeah, you've achieved the success. Yeah, you're making great money. But now we're going to get you to another level of spiritual awakening. And these well, rich ass people are like, yes, please. I also feel like, and Kelly Thiel said this when I interviewed her, is that it's people that are like constant seekers. Like, you know, yeah. you have those friends who are, will say to you, oh my, I just read the best self-help book. You've got to get it. I'm inevitably the person goes, I'm not going to read a self-help book, but thanks a lot. Yeah. All right, Putas, I am very excited. 2021 amazing ad coming in hot for you. Literally, Ghost Tequila. It's 100% Agave Azul Tequila. I'm so picky about my tequila drinking. This one I love. It's silky smooth. 
My favorite thing is it has a little tiny hint of ghost peppers, which are so hot. This one's just a perfect amount of spicy sensation. Mm, my go-to for margaritas lately. Over the weekend, I did two shots of ghost tequila. Don't judge. It was a very hectic week. <laughs> Lime juice, sparkling water, and a splash of pineapple juice. Tahina around the rim. I was in margarita heaven. I love spicy margaritas. It's also amazing for Mexican mules, Bloody Marias. Again, I don't recommend anything on this podcast that I'm not thoroughly enjoying myself with my friends and fam. I'm all about that high-quality tequila that has a little kick to it. Order your bottle online at ghosttequila.com. We're going to give you a discount, of course. Use code LOW for 20% off your order. That's code LOW for 20% off your order. Check out the cocktails page for over 30 recipes you can make at home. I'll be doing all of them. And remember, it's 21 and over. Please ghost responsibly. Kelly would say the same thing too. the member of Nexium. She'd say, I see cults in everything. I mean, all of us can get caught up in a cult, whether it's a business organization, a sports organization, people yeah. who are fanatics about the real housewives. I see that every day. I'm like, you guys are in a cult right now. They become fascinated by one housewife and they cannot. It's like when you have an inability to see the truth. When you're so fixated on someone and they're they're your spiritual guide, I watch that every day in The Real Housewives where people are like, you know, ex-housewife is like our spiritual leader. It's like she's our queen, our icon, our legend. And I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like this dopey woman from like the suburbs of whatever city and she's never (laughs) had a career. She just wears like stilettos and she's probably going to go bankrupt in a hot minute. But people become fixated. Wait, is that the one? How many fucks do I give? No, well, there, that's no, a great no. example is Erica what? Girardi, who's right. also called Erica Jean. And now Erica her, Jane. it turns out her husband has squandered all the money from his law firm. He did not pay back all the, the, the victims of the Boeing air flight. He represented them, the, the families of the victims. And he none of them are getting paid because now the law firm's fall, fallen apart. And he had oh, been like sad. paying the Pied Piper. And so this whole image that they had presented of like this extremely wealthy fam, like couple, there's no money left now. And so there's a question of how much she knew. And so for a lot of people, it's rattling them because they're like, oh, my God, I worshipped her. I thought I read her books. I bought her products. I'm like, I loved her. And they're like, wait, maybe she's not the person that I thought she was. Yeah. There's like cult like behavior in a lot of different places. Yeah, for sure. And even now, it's even easier, in my opinion, to get culty in that way, because let's say you fall in love with a star on television. Yeah. Now you could be led into their personal life through social media. Right. And I just feel like now it's a lot more open so people can if you like someone. Well, and that's the other thing. If you liked an actor or actress back in the day and, and then you hear stories like, oh, they're a fucking nightmare. They're the worst. And, but like nowadays... That I feel like you, it's a lot more transparent because people are going to know much quicker now. Like the veil, the curtain has been lifted. If you're a, a terrible person to work with, like they're going to out you at some point. It's just too easy now. So it's like you kind of have to you keep your shit in check uh, when it comes to acting and or being in the industry to some extent. Because, I mean, some of the old school actresses and stuff that I've worked with could be quite difficult, but <laughs> they're yeah. not on social media. <laughs> but do you remember when Tom intentionally. Cruise was- Dating that girl, Nazanin Nayadi. I think that's the pronunciation. She was a Scientologist who was oh, yeah. being groomed before Katie Holmes. And 
she said that there were a bunch of Scientologists around her that were kind of grooming her for the job of being his his partner and saying, you know, he is the most ethical man. He's going to change the world. He's so And powerful. change your life, too. He's going to change your life. Like, what a privilege that you're even being considered for this job. And then it's like, she, when you're groomed, you you start to believe it. And then you meet him. And even though you're like, well, he's kind of short. He's not as cute as I thought. He's kind of an asshole. And he hasn't asked me anything about myself. But there are other <laughs> yeah. people around. And they're like, no, this is like big time. And she's like, well, yeah. I don't know. Should I say anything? Like, it took a lot of strength for her to stand up for herself. It's because she had been groomed for the job. And I think um, the other like ways that the micro ways that those are those situations are very prevalent in Hollywood. I mean, how many times does a young actor say like, or is told like this producer, they are the way they're going to have the biggest projects. They're such an ethical person. They, they, they always have everybody's, you know, best interest at heart. And then they're stuck in a room with that producer. And then, you know, something bad happens. Yeah. Or even knowing like this producer is kind of a fucking nightmare. He's gross, but I mean, Harvey Weinstein's going to get you places. So, you know what I mean? It's so like, awful. he's a disgusting yeah. person, but it's, oh man, it's so twisted, the whole thing. I, I like the way, though, that Nexium, I don't like the way, but I understand the way that Nexium mirrors Scientology. And actually, a lot, yeah, this guy was uh, Keith Rainier, Rainier, whatever his last name, Keith will say. Yeah. He was revered as like this incredible businessman. And the people in this, in Nexium, thought of him as this extremely intellectual and it was uh, based on lies they even he even had in his biography uh that he was the most he had scored the highest on a specific test and it was the highest score that's ever been the seen highest before. iq in the, the world. highest iq but in what the world. They, what people didn't know was this was way before they required you to be in person to like you test in person it was like a test that was sent to him so he could have fudged it and yeah. then mailed it back in. And they never included that that bit of information in any other volume. It was only in one volume because the person the next year was like, this is a bunch of bullshit. Why are we just sending the test away? Like, this makes no sense. <laughs> yeah. But it was it was not only it was just in one volume, but it was also the Australian volume. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yes, right. But he had perpetuated the story that he was like this like judo champion. Not true. That he was a concert pianist as a child. Not true. But I think that that was the good thing about him having this ridiculous business before social media, because now people are more apt to do a little bit more research and they can like cross-reference information in a way that they didn't years ago. So he would have not, had he started Nexium in 2018, this would have fallen flat. The other thing that was the problem with the Nexium was the backing of the Bronfman sisters, the Seagram's heiresses. Oh, the, those are the billionaire heiresses to the Seagram or Seagram's alcohol? Seagram's alcohol business because he needed people who had limitless pockets, right? To, to bankroll yeah. the whole thing because you can make a ton of money off of people taking courses, but he used them to way to market the organization, like the use of the Dalai Lama. And by the way, you watch this and you're like, the Dalai Lama is a little sketch bag too. Like, so you yeah. can just throw some money at the Dalai Lama and millions of dollars meet with you. And also should the Dalai Lama be on a, be on a private jet at any point? And why does he have access to a cell phone? Like, isn't he supposed to live this life of modesty, but he's got a publicist and a manager gets to go on private jets and stays in people's nice homes. 
Like, shouldn't he just be in a mountain? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> so, I mean, uh, I like that. That the, was a little sketchy, too. Yeah, yeah for sure. I was thinking sketchy. that. Right. Yeah. But the Bronfman sisters, they really bankroll that. I know somebody actually, and I can't tell you their exact job because I don't want her to live in fear that somebody might murder her in the middle of the night. But she worked with Nexium in a job and at extraordinary access to the to Claire, the one who was just imprisoned. Oh, wow. Sarah lives Claire in, is one of the Bron- Bronfman sisters. Yes, Sarah okay. is married to a Libyan and lives somewhere in the Middle East. But the other sister, Claire, was the one that was put on trial and she was just put in jail. And she thinks I think she's serving a five year term. So what they told me is that she has so much money still that all of her things are still she just delegated the work to the people underneath her. So the, the train's still moving for all of these businesses and other things. What? She's in jail, Wait, is the, the, the Nexium train still uh, choo-chooing? Yes. So Keith, as we what? know, is living a life sentence now. But Allison Mack's wife, because remember Keith had them married because Nikki was a Canadian citizen. So in order to keep her in the, in the country, he convinced Allison let's have you guys marry, even though Allison and Nikki were not lesbians. In fact, some reports were they didn't even like each other. Right. But he convinced them to get married in India. Oxenberg was the witness of the wedding. Okay. Can you imagine that? So Nikki, who is not in prison, has kind of taken over, according to Frank Parlato, and she's running the whole joint. And she did one interview with ABC News, and then she did another one with like a blog or something or Maybe it was on YouTube. You know what? You can find the the ABC News on YouTube and you watch it and you're like, this woman is so deep into this. It's so sad. Yeah. She's completely and so brainwashed. The people that are still members of Nexium when Keith was in Brooklyn at the at the prison there, he had a window. And so he could look out the window and they were doing basically liturgical dancing, like 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 dancing for their God doing headstands and dancing for him every night. But now he's been moved to another prison without windows and nobody that he can see. But these people were so devoted to him, despite what they had heard through the process of the trial and in the news about his relationships with multiple women and the way that he subjected them to these starvation diets and the emotional stress he put on them and the way that he had squandered money. They still are so devoted to him. It's insane. Yeah. Wow. That's some scary shit. So this, what is mind boggling to me that this five, four little chunky man with, with not a high IQ was able to start this company and he was able to get like these, I mean, Claire and Sara, the, Mm -hmm. the, the Bronfman, those two putas who are billionaire queens, they loved him. (laughs) So they're willing to put down the money and bankroll this idea that he had. And then that other weirdo chick. Nancy Salzman. So she was the one that was running with them. And so so she had those two daughters and one of them is also going to be going to prison too, because she, and I think that Nancy kind of threw her own daughter under the bus, to be quite honest. Nancy has not been sentenced yet. And I don't think her daughter has, Lauren has been either, but Lauren is her daughter and she and her mother had a sexual relationship with Keith. Oh my God. And Nancy knows this and doesn't intervene and protect her daughter from the madman that she's working with. They were both having a sexual relationship. Keith had convinced Lauren at some point, I'll let you have my baby, but he would put it off and put it off and put it off. And in the meantime, impregnated another woman. And she 
kept the pregnancy because she kept it secretive. All the other women that got pregnant, he forced to have abortions. Right. So this one woman just got too far in her pregnancy where it was too far. So she has the baby and Keith says to Lauren, I want you to be the auntie of this baby. So she's aging. She's getting, you know, to the point where can she even have a child anymore? And she's been devoted to him for all these years. And right. now she's got to be the auntie of the baby that he had with some other woman. And they're like, oh, okay. Like they agree to all of this. It's nuts. Well, and I also think that a lot of the women that were involved with Keith in this pyramid of sex, this sexual slave pyramid is literally what he created within the Nexium pyramid was another pyramid of sex cult life, you know, where they're slaves to him, essentially. I mean, yeah, yeah, they were sex slaves. Did you hear that part of the episode with Frank where he said that the day that Keith was arrested in in Mexico and first of all, Nikki, the one who's still running the show, she made the mistake on social media of posting that she was in Puerto Vallarta. Right. And authorities were tracking them down. So they were like, bingo, he's in Mexico. So they started tracking. Then somebody took a picture of him taking one of those walks. So they found out the location and they arrested him. But what Frank told me was the day that they were arrested, he had planned on making all of the women that were there in Mexico with him participate in a fellatio, like a mutual, like a, like a fellatio vow renewal ceremony. Oh my God. That's what was planned for that day. So they show up with the guns and all the women are freaking out. And Keith is in a bedroom with Lauren. And instead of like standing up at the door and like facing these guys, he runs in and he hides in a closet. So they break yeah. down the door and they've got the guns to Lauren's head and they're demanding to know where Keith is. And he he's hiding in the closet. And it was then that she realized this guy's never going to stand up for me. I'm like, that's what it took. Not the moment where you were going to have to perform fellatio. Like, huh? With a bunch of other moment. women. Yeah. She was like, oh, I guess he's just not going to support me. That was definitely the red flag for me. <laughs> I would think so. So that's when she sort of threw him under the bus. But she's yeah. still going to have to serve time. She, I mean, she was diabolical in her own way, too. But then, you know, it's subject for us to all kind of ask. Like, they were all kind of groomed. They were all subjected to emotional that's Distress. what I wanted to ask so you, hard. too. How do you really feel about hard. that? Because I, I watched each woman I was, in a sense, innocent at some point going into yeah. it with good intention. And then it turned into even that sicko actress from Smallville, Allison Mack. Yeah. Oh, my God. She is twisted. She became twisted. I know I asked all of them, like, is she complicit in this? And they said, well, of course, she is complicit into the crime. And that's yeah. why she should serve some time. But at the same time. You know, she shows up and she just wanted to do some self-empowerment courses. I think she was groomed. I think grooming is really the worst thing in the world. And I feel like over time I've interviewed so many docuseries directors and documentary directors about sexual abuse. And the, yeah. it all comes down to the grooming. It's usually somebody who is a master manipulator and they just know how to groom their victims. Yeah. But there were lots of men that were in something called the Society of Protectors, which was within the organization. So the male equivalent of Jeunesse. And so the Society of Protectors whole thing was like in the beginning, they would they were told this is about men standing up and having a supportive group of other men where you can emotionally be more available than your normal friendships because we're all of the same mindset and taking courses to better oneself. But as they got deeper into the courses, 
the the misogynism was deep into the oh, rhetoric. Sick. And they were being taught to basically treat women like dog shit and were abusive to women, both physically and emotionally. So, you know, men were also screwed over. Oh, men were too. I I mean, yeah, I think women definitely had it worse, though. They did. No, but 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 just for anybody who's listening, they should know that, like, there were men that were participating who were targeted too. Yeah, And that's what, that's what that was interesting too, was the, I think it was the seduced director had said that they, he purposely targeted men that were sort of weak. Yep. You could tell like, oh, I could easily brainwash them. Yeah. So there was the, the men's group and then there had a separate one for women. And the whole idea of that was the whole women could be empowered. I think what's so frustrating about Janesse is that Nancy Salzman was at the helm. And she's this neurolinguistics expert. She knew exactly what she was doing. Yeah. And she was, she was telling them. women, you need to be reliant on the teachings of myself and of Keith. And that she, she undoubtedly knew what was going on with DOS and never even protected her own daughter. And I no. think that that, to me, as like another woman to do that to other women is the most despicable thing. Oh, she's a monster she is a monster yeah Yeah. she's a monster one other thing i was gonna say is that kelly told me she was the member of almost the member of dos she said that she's part of this like app it's not whatsapp but it's something else i'd never even heard of but that's the way they all communicated with each other and so despite the fact that keith is like imprisoned now and that others have been had been indicted and that the rules were people like Nancy are not supposed to communicate with anybody in Nexium because of it, that within that app, she's like, I'm still on the app and I'm on it because it's interesting for me to see like if someone posts something and someone likes it mm. and that w- the members that are still in had posts like how Keith was wrongfully in prison and that Nancy had liked it. So, mm. so in public, she's denouncing him to save herself. Yeah. But that just shows that she still totally buys into all of it and is proud of it. And if I were her her legal counsel, because she hasn't received her sentencing yet, I would be telling her to stop, you know, get the hell off that app ASAP. You have no association with him or his name at all. Yeah. Oh, man. So, okay, going back to Vanguard Week. This beautiful week in the spring when everyone gets their <laughs> summer, when everyone gets to go to Albany. And actually, it looked fun from the video. Yeah. It was they just have beautiful a ton resort. of activities, yeah. a resort type vibe. They have games, they have performances, uh, and you get uh, into your different chapters. So the Vancouver chapter, and then you get to mingle with different people. And it just seemed like a big fun fest that kind of turned into a fuck fest later on. Right. But, but the thing that was interesting was. The, this was just basically a chance for a lonely, narcissistic monster, Keith, to celebrate his birthday. For like a week. For, then for a I, week. Then I kept thinking, we all know people like that who it's their birthday and they think they need six different parties. It's like a week of com- uh, congratulations. You've lived another year. The anniversary of your birth should be a national holiday. So sure. we do. We all know many monsters, but he's probably one of the worst because they would have like hundreds of cakes and oh another thing that you know in the beginning of the vow they have the kind of the opening the beautiful music and there's the the, the young man like slow dancing that's because 
apparently, I think Kelly told me this, there's reason to believe that he may have had an inappropriate sexual relationship with his own mother, Keith. Oh my God. Because he was like an only child where the mom like coddles the child. Yeah. Oedipus Rex, like the crazy. So that's apparently she would make him slow dance with her. And that's maybe at the root of a lot of the sexual stuff. Oh wow. He's like an anger and he's angry at women. Yeah. He hates, he hates women. He hates women. He hates them. And he also loves to see people in pain. Like he gets a high off of it. So within the Nexium umbrella, they also had the rainbow initiative. And that was where they said, we're going to have teachers and we're going to have this preschool where kids can come in. They can learn up to 10 languages and we're going to have teachers that teach them different languages during, during the course of the day, they're going to have access to eight different teachers or languages. Like it's, by the way, humanly impossible to have children learn like eight to 10 languages. It's like, ridiculous but they were using that as a cover for another organization where they would have people do brain studies and they had a doctor there where he was apparently subjecting them to and the society protectors some of them were subjected to this too where they would have them wear earphones and Mm -hmm. make them watch videos of things like beheadings oh yeah to desensitize them so that's like another horrible form of grooming. So when, when they, he tells you, okay, well, now you have to give me a blow job and you can't talk to anybody and you can only eat 500 calories. They're like, okay, whatever. They're so beaten down at that point. They're just like agreeable to anything. Yeah. Oh, man. But the thing I found really interesting was all of these women thought that Keith was not a sexual person. So oh, if no. there was... He, he, yeah, they thought he was living like a monk. Yeah, like the Dalai Lama. So they went into okay. Yeah. Does that make you wonder about the Dalai Lama? It makes oh my me god, he's having like orgies left and right. Probably <laughs> sicko. Sorry, anyone out there who loves the Dalai Lama, my bad. But anyway, they thought of him as this not like predator at all. I mean, he was like a monk. You said so when they're when they're asked to do these sexual. Because I'm like, how the hell? I don't care. I mean, it's just tough for me to even get into that brainwashing mind space of like. For a yeah. man to do the things that this guy was allowing, uh, these women were allowing him to do, because um, a lot of it wasn't against their will. Like the the whole ceremonial uh, putting his initials, which they said it was a symbol of fire, the elements, right? Right. And then it ended up being his initials just turned upside down and written in and a weird Allison's font. too. Yeah. And oh, really? Hers were in there yeah. too? Mm-hmm. So it's Keith it. and Allison's initials all together. Oh, man. So when they were interviewing the girl India, she, was that the 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 daughter of daughter the, of daughter of Catherine? Yes. Okay. When they interviewed her, she was saying that when she was first introduced to the whole idea of Keith having any sort of uh, touching her or any sort of physical anything with her mm-hmm. from Allison, she's like, I mean, I guess if he were to, it would strictly be for healing because he is not a sexual person. He doesn't have sex. He's, you know, he's not into men or women. He's kind of this asexual, godly-like figure. So it wasn't even weird for her in that sense. Let's say you were like uh, any of the, like Kelly, for example, who is, goes to Albany and you go to a gym at 11 o'clock at night and everyone's playing volleyball. And the leader is 5'4", greasy hair, and he's got volleyball, like all the equipment on as if he's in an Olympic training program. (laughs) 
And all of these women are sitting around and they're like waiting for bait with bated breath for every word that he says. And you start to realize that each person who comes into the gym must kiss him on the lips. That's men. That's women. Doesn't matter what age, they all have to come up and kiss him on the lips. There's a part of you deep inside your soul that goes, that doesn't seem right. That, yeah, I get that. It's, it's a series of those experiences where you go, something's not right here. And I think the problem with Allison was, and I think she kind of encapsulates a lot of them, is that we saw video in Seduced, and I couldn't even believe they got it. You see footage of the first moment that Allison met Keith. So she came into the gym and she sits down and he asked her a simple question about like, what does it mean to be an actor? And she couldn't answer him and she totally breaks down and she starts like staring at him. And you realize in that moment, she doesn't see past the weird kissing or it's 11 o'clock or that he's dressed in volleyball gear like he's, you know, an Olympic volleyball player and he's out of shape. She doesn't see any of this stuff. Because she's broken down so much emotionally. Maybe that's because she was an actor and had suffered yeah. through uh, maybe a previous like, experience uh, with, with a director who beat her down. Who knows? But she went there and she was ripe for being groomed because she was already at a, at a place where she had been so defeated. Jeez. And she just went on in and just yeah. was this little pawn making things happen. So... All this goes down. Keith's a sicko. Now he's serving, I believe, 20, 123 years in prison. Yes. That was his sentencing. 123 years. Damn. That being said, the whole idea of Nexium being blown up, the yeah. story being uncovered, people finding out what the hell's really going down there, that was from uh, India's mother, correct? She's the one who kind of blew the lid off of it. Well, she was one of a series of things, uh, but she put a face wanna, to it. I want to get really, into how it got uncovered. Of, a lot of it has to do with Sarah Edmondson because she and Mark Vicente had started approaching news outlets along with Catherine Oxenberg to get people to cover the story. They kind of had blown it off. The Albany Times Union had covered it to some degree, but they had an enormous amount of money with the Bronfman sisters. There was like an enormous amount of money to go through litigation. So nobody wanted to go be in litigation with Keith because those that had had basically been burned down to the ground. Like the people were depleted of any financial. And there were a lot of accounts uh, at all. Politicians that protected judges, yeah, pe politicians, people public had protected figures. Him. So there so you needed a giant to kind of go ahead. And it wasn't until Barry Meyer at New York Times had written the article that was the expose that kind of gave people license to kind of question his motives. So, and then and that, also, I think, didn't Sarah, he open that up with the, the New York times article? That's what he talked about women exactly. being branded on their skin. Well, that's when Sarah exposed the branding. So I do think it's a little bit, there, there are a couple different people that were part of that. And I think Frank Parlato, there's a lot that has to be said for his writing over many, you know, months and year really about exposing the inner workings of the organization. So, it's not one person, it's several that kind of came forward and that it was this sort of this wave kind of that moved into their direction that kind of pushed it forward. Jeez. God, Nexium fascinates me. Colts in general really just blow my mind. Okay, but I got to pivot the conversation because I don't have that much time left with you and I want to make sure I get your top recommendations for some amazing shows that are binge worthy for me and my low lifers. So hit me with some of your top faves, Queen. Okay. I want like, let's go with Kate, because I'm sure you have like okay. a list of like 20, but I want to do like top, 
let's do top four. Okay. Documentaries that you're like, hey, Ooh. if you haven't seen this, you should do a little binge watch situation. Okay. If you like a great redemption story, watch Outcry on Showtime. I'm writing these down. That okay. is about Greg Kelly. And he was this standout high school football player. Adorable. And he was on the football team and his parents, his dad got sick and his mom had to move out of town. And so the booster family of the football team said, well, he, he, why don't you live with us? So his family says, yeah, that's great. Well, the family owned an in-home daycare center. And one of the children at the daycare center went home to his parents and said he had been molested. And Greg was accused of it. He was wrongfully accused of it. And he went to prison. He had a shitty counsel. He went to prison and he ended up being exonerated. Mm. And so the whole docuseries is about what happened to him. And the redemption part of it will make you cry your face off. And it's yeah. just like a great story. So that, and if you like, it's got elements of sports, about law and justice, of pers- like triumph over tragedy. That's a great one. So it's a, called Outcry. Love that. And then you'll follow Greg afterwards on Instagram. And like, he's got a great, he's playing football now in college. He, oh, he wow. like trained him. with professional athletes. Cause he was like, I'm not going to let this keep me from my dream. I always wanted to be a college football player. Yeah. So he didn't, he, he didn't serve uh, too much time in prison. He, a couple of years. A couple of years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then I interviewed him. You can listen to his interview and he, like he and his wife are very, just really very compelling people. So outcry, that's great for like social justice kind of, you know, murder on middle beach is a great true crime one. And that's on HBO. And that is about a a man, young man whose mother was murdered and found in the front yard. And he goes back over the course of 10 years to figure out what happened. And he's got crazy relatives and his father is very sketchy. And they were supposed to be, he and her, his mother and his father were supposed to be in court that morning that she was found. Oh, wow. And so he interviews his father. And so all these people kind of have very odd stories about where they were that day. And the onus is on you to kind of figure out who did it. And you're, oh, add to that, his mom was part of an MLM called the Gifting Tables, which you will learn more about and be like, what is this bullshit? The so, Gifting Tables. The Gifting Tables. So that's kind of like a, the culmination of everything that you love in the world. So that's a good one. <laughs> Murder on Middle Beach. Okay, a docu-series. Let me think what else I've loved that you would love. Another one is called Who Killed Garrett Phillips? And that is on HBO about a boy that was killed in Ohio. And somebody is accused of it. And you're not sure if he was really the person that did the crime. And that's really good, too. That's yeah. a head scratcher. Wait, wasn't that? I think they did a whole podcast on that one, too. Like the Yes, I think so. Originally. Oh, and another, and then one, it- another one that's really good is called A Wilderness of Error. And Ooh, that's about that either. 50 years ago, Jeffrey McDonald was a Green Beret at Fort Bragg, North Carolina. MPs show up after Jeffrey McDonald calls the authorities and say, my wife and children have been murdered. So they show up and he is a surgeon, a Green Beret surgeon. And his wife has been stabbed to death. She's pregnant. And his two daughters have also been stabbed to death. And he claimed oh, that people, that three people came in and said, acid is groovy they murdered his children and wrote in in red pigs on the wall so i interviewed one of the first mps that came and witnessed the crime scene 
and what they saw. So it's been 50 years and there's still not an answer to who committed it, but it's, I'm wow. pretty sure it's probably Jeffrey McDonald that killed them all. But that's a good docu-series because it was 50 years ago and with, with DNA analysis and all of that, it, like, it's a new look at the crime. God, it's like not even worth killing someone anymore. It's so no, much it's work. No, it's not. It's not. In fact, I interviewed Cece Moore. She's always on these shows. She does the genetic analysis with DNA that you can find. Yeah. And she's like, you're dumb if you commit a crime now because yeah. of DNA analysis. And so many people, when you do DN, like 23andMe and Ancestry.com with the holidays, when you do that, you're going to get all your information about you know where your ancestors are from, which is awesome. But you know who it's not awesome for? your relatives that are killing people because <laughs> when you do that, your and they, serial and they, killer they, uncle low. Yes. They cross reference <laughs> the DNA and they'll go yeah. well, low is connected to this person. So they build out your family tree now Wow! and they can, and there've been so many great cases that have been uncovered in the last year because of that. That's awesome. But yeah. also terrifying, terrifying too. Yeah. Thank you for being a guest on The Low Show. Oh, wait, I got to end it with rapid fire questions. That's what we do with every guest. Okay, here we go. Rapid fire question time. Okay. Cabin in the woods or home on the beach? No, home on the beach. I don't like the woods. I watch Watcher in the woods in 19 something and I just freak the fuck out. No, I don't like woods. I don't want to be around nature. I just want to be on a beach with waves and an open sea that you can see what's ahead of you with a margarita. Mm, that sounds incredible. <laughs> uh, celebrity female and celebrity male crush. I don't know. I feel like it always changes. Who are you feeling this week? I always think that Allie Wentworth is so funny. Oh, hilarious. She's so funny. She's always kind of my crush. I, I like, I think her, I like her sense of humor and how smart she is. Male crush, maybe George Stephanopoulos. From, I go to, from ABC <laughs> News. Oh, he's sweet. I'm into reporters because like, I feel like they'd be interesting. Or Martha Raddatz. She covers everything for ABC News. Like she'll go to Yemen. She'll go to places <laughs> no one else will go. Like I feel like she would be really fun. I like Should Anderson to Cooper date. too because Anderson Cooper seems super funny and engaged in pop culture, but also very cerebral. Yeah, separate beds with him, but yes. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to make out with him, but I feel like it yeah. would be like a fun. For me, it's about like who would be a fun dinner companion. Yeah, totally. I love that. If your belly button had a magical power Ooh. and you pressed it, what would you make your belly button do? Any power I want. I think I I would love the power of stopping time, pausing time. Oh, wow. Because then it's like I could really enjoy some moments like it's after Christmas. And now I only feel like I'm prepared for Christmas. Like it, yeah. it happened too fast. It sure did. Yeah. Um, oh, I love that. That's like a profound answer, Casey. <laughs> All right. Go to cocktail at a bar. Casamigos skinny with lime. Oh, yeah. Skinny margarita. Yeah. What well, little Topo Chico water in there? No, no. Mm -hmm. Oh. No. Mm -mm, no. Mm -mm. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> what is your love language? Recognition, words of affirmation. Okay. Yeah. That's very much more powerful than anything. Yeah. Favorite vacation spot? Well, Hawaii, because I got married there. And my husband's family's Hawaii. Well, they're Port Portuguese Hawaiians. So yeah. I like it there. What, what island yeah. did you get married on? I got married in uh, Maui in Wailea. Oh, so pretty. Yeah. Love that. And what? 
time of the day are you most inspired? Probably like 11 o'clock at night. You're a night owl. Yeah, like my my ideas are probably best then. Yeah, I get a lot of shit done at night when the kids go to bed. Yeah. Yeah. And last but not least, what's your most important takeaway from 2020 shitstorm of a year? I just think people forget how resilient you are. In the long scheme of things, this is a blip in our lives. And with, with terrible tragedies or hardships become great answers. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. We'll be much stronger, brighter, empathetic, kinder to one another as a result. My friend's a psychic and he said that this had to happen because we had all become too greedy and the earth needed a break. Oh, so there's that. You know, I feel like good things will come out of it and focus more on that. Yeah. Mm, We'll end it on that note. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Tasty, thank you so much for being a guest. I appreciate it. And I'll continue listening. Oh, I want to say, where can people find you? Can you the Instagram, social media, also the podcast? I want people to be able to go and check you out. So, so the podcast is called Reality Life with Kate Casey. My Instagram is at Kate Casey CA. I have a really great Facebook group where we talk about all the shows, documentaries, docuseries, and that's Reality Life with Kate Casey. My Twitter, I t- tweet about shows and during shows, and that's at Kate Casey. And I have a Patreon for bonus episodes. I do a lot of true crime anecdotes, Vanity Fair style interviews, uh, and that's the best. Kate Casey just on Patreon. Perfect. All yeah. right. Thank you so much for being with us today, Queen. Thank you. And, yeah. And um, I think I'm going to end up doing, I don't know when, but your show at some you point. You are doing my show. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for listening to today's episode of The Low Show. This was a different one for me, doing a deep dive into sex cults the whole episode. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. It was a different episode, but you know what? I'm all about changing it up. I don't ever want this podcast to be boring. No topic is off limits. So this is what I'm doing on Instagram. Follow me, style LVR, S-T-Y-L-E-L-V-R. But I'm going to open it up to you guys. If there's ever a topic or question or anything you want me to cover on this, I'm going to do it. We want to give the low lifers what they freaking want. And you know, no subject is off limits. I'm down to talk about anything and everything. So of course, slide into the DMs or you could leave it on the comments on Apple Podcasts, which in 2021, thank you guys for pulling through. The comments are so special and sweet. I read every single one. Thank you for the feedback. I was having a tough day. This last week, I was like, dang, this is a tough day for me. I just wasn't in the best mood. I didn't sleep well, didn't eat right. It was one of those days. And uh, I ended up going on Apple Podcasts and I saw a bunch of comments that had uploaded. And thank you for doing that. It means so much. You don't understand how important those are for the podcast. Damn, they keep this show afloat. So thank you for doing that. That's just the most thoughtful words. And I, I want to like reach out to each person that writes a comment and be like, thank you from the bottom of my freaking heart. It means the world. So rating, subscribing, and leaving a comment on Apple Podcasts really does make a difference on The Low Show. So again, I appreciate you for taking the time to do that. Next week, I got a very special episode coming in hot for you. Stay tuned. But until then, have a wonderful weekend ahead. I don't know, maybe have a little facial moment, do a mud mask, and don't forget to drink your water, puta, because I know you're thirsty. I love you, and I'm out. Okay.